Hello and welcome to episode f five, 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 of the City Wave Cinema, where we will cover the first half of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Is that how you say it? You say it Azkaban. I mean, you don't have to put that weird accent on it. Why don't you though? Why wouldn't you? If it's Leviosa, oh my gosh, then it can be Azkaban. It's not Leviosa. It's Leviosa. What? No. Paul. Paul. I'm America. Paul. I hate everything. No, I'm James. I hate everything. And we are City Wave Cinema. We are... Full of rage. James is full of rage. Most of the time. It's not as long um, of an episode this time to answer not only future questions, but the question that just popped up in chat. Um, because... James just genuinely didn't have as much to yell about this movie. No, no, let's let's talk about that for a second. This, the third of the Harry Potter films, is the film where they finally got the budget to make a big movie, right? Now I don't have the figures. I can look them up, but I don't. I, I don't have offhand the figures of how much the budgets were on the first two. But there's a distinct difference between visual effects, uh, writing, and just overall sort of production value between the third movie and the first two movies. Now, as I've gone and looked it up, IMDb should have I can probably get the a budget. list okay. of them all in order. Just to put it into perspective... This is 2003 this was made, 2004 it came out. The budget for this movie is $130 million. Okay? $130 million was the estimated budget. First movie is $130 million. That was the third movie. You looked up Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm sorry, yes. Prisoner of Azkaban is $130 million. Um, The second one was $100 million. And how much was the first? Ten million. It's got to be like one hundred twenty-five million. Okay, so they lost money <laughs> into making the second movie, and it's kind of obvious. The I I don't know what changed between two and three. A lot, but maybe a director shift, a production Actors. company shift. The actors got a little older. Frankly, I think the writing just got better across the board. Yeah. The, the, there stopped being dumb dialogue, dumb situations for characters to be in. More things were explained. Less things were stupid. And it just, overall, I'd still I've got questions. Still I have things I was upset about. But for being only three deep into the seven deep movie series, whatever, eight, seven, whatever, it's really good to see that after the first two movies that everyone loved but are still kind of terrible, they really improved production value in the third movie. I think what's also important to note that as we're getting older, we're getting into, or not into, we're getting out of so much of the strictly kid-friendly genre. Well, yeah, did you see the werewolf in the movie? as the books and as the movies go on and as the kids get older we lose kind of that childhood innocence which is how it should be um 
But I think that's important to note because it does get darker and the actors do get older and the kids do get older so you can approach more intense subject material whereas the first one's just kind of like this whimsical childhood story of going off to wizarding school so right our movie takes place as all of them do mostly at hogwarts yeah but just like always we start in surrey at dorset fucking drive dorset who fucking cares privet what it doesn't matter it 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 really frankly does. frankly don't give a shit where the dursleys live don't give a single fuck where they live okay okay now we start and harry honestly if i'm being honest with you looks like he might be jerking off under the sheets he's not don't worry he isn't but he could be he isn't but he could be okay He's doing magic with the wand. Now, we all know, because we've watched the previous movies, that he's not supposed to do magic when he's not at Hogwarts. This is a very frustrating movie for me. It's some, or moment for me. It's been something that's been bothering me about the series for, since I saw it in theaters and I was like, what, he's practicing the Lumos spell over the summer when he's not allowed to be practicing magic? Like, I have tried to reason it away and i've tried to find some explanation i have a theory but i i i really 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 can't i have a theory what's your theory he's reading something he's practicing the lumo spell which makes the tip of his wand light up and be a flashlight effectively right he's reading something under the covers he can hear his enormous uncle stomp through the house to see what's going on in the in the bedroom and so he's uh He's trying to get the spell to work. I don't think he's practicing it so much as he's just trying to read and he keeps casting it, but he's bad at it. But the spell, the paper that he's reading is the, like, tutorial for the spell. Oh, is it the tutorial for the spell? Yeah. Then I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's reckless and stupid. He's a kid, I guess. I don't fucking know. It's very much like a... It's a very cool intro. It's a very cinematic cinematically cool intro it is very much like ooh, look at our budget <laughs> but as far as the lore and like rules of the wizarding world it has never made sense to me and it never will make sense. well don't to worry me. he follows it up by doing more bad things but these ones aren't on purpose <laughs> these ones are for sure on purpose so my uh, as always you know i have notes because i take notes during these movies um dursley's uncle Uncle Dursley's sister comes to visit for reasons it's not explained. And she is just tip-top villain. Terrible. From start to finish, awful. Her and Umbridge would get along great. I haven't met that character yet. This chick snaps at Harry like he's like, a uh, servant, slave, something. He, She's just, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. All the time. She's on screen for like less than three minutes. And it's every 30 seconds. Clean it. Do this. Go there. Sometimes shut the fuck she, up. She doesn't All even like stuff. warrant words. She's just like. She just, yeah, she just snaps and points. It's terrible. She, you, you see it and you go, oh, well, she's the fucking worst. And then. Uh, the note I started writing in all caps 
for my notes for like a solid 10 minutes. Uh, and I wrote, the bitch snapped at Harry and then gave the dog brandy. She has this big cup of brandy and she just, she snaps at Harry and just says some snarky shit and then leans over and starts feeding her dog brandy. Now, I don't know if you have animals or alcohol or know what those things are, but it's highly frowned upon, extremely bad to do to give a dog alcohol because they'll die. So, already, just red flag after red flag. We hate her, right? Well, Harry has an emotional reaction to everything, and when little baby wizards have emotional reactions to shit, their magic just goes. It doesn't need a wand, it just goes. And he's already, like, the most powerful wizard of the age or whatever. So he just starts... He's fucking, she says some bad shit about him and her glass explodes in her hand and covers her and the table in brandy. And Dursley knows what's going on. And so he's like turning every shade of red imaginable. And she's like, oh, whatever. Just Harry, clean it up. And then she says like, more bad shit about like, his family. Firm grip. Like she shattered the glass. She she really did not know what happened and just was like, I'll take this opportunity to flex my forearm strength. Question mark? I don't know. Uh, and then uh, he gets so mad at her that she... Heliums? He, he doesn't say shit and she just starts blowing up. Kind of like Violet. Yeah. From Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. She just starts expanding. She doesn't turn violet, violet, but she does just expand and get bigger, and then she starts floating. And no one's doing anything useful. Fucking <laughs> young Dursley's, like, glazed over, eating whatever's in front of him. The wife is just like, I hate everything that happens, and I wish I was dead. And the brother, Uncle Dursley, is, like, getting attacked by her dog, while she is bouncing around the living room, out into the sunroom, out into the yard, and floating away. And so I wrote, Harry is a hazard of a human. He, he's, it was, I mean, he called, she called his mom a bitch. Like. Right. Well, I then, feel like it was a reasonable thing. <laughs> uh, not reasonable. Not even a little bit. I mean, there's way more cool shit you can do with magic to make her life a living hell rather than just kill her. Um, I don't think he really, uh, she didn't die. No, she didn't die, but he didn't know that she wouldn't. I like how he just bounces, though. He's like, uh, time to go. <laughs> Harry got so mad that he inflated a woman and she bounced into the atmosphere, basically, right? And then he just decides, fuck it, we'll be homeless. And he goes upstairs and he throws all his shit in his trunk, gets a small dolly for his trunk, and says, fuck it, anywhere's better than here, and he just leaves. Dursley doesn't even, like, really effort to stop him. He just leaves. And then the weirdest sequence of all the Harry Potter films happens. <laughs> he gets, like, glared at in the darkness by an evil dog. And then a bus shows up. And the bus has a weird, borderline racist, trunken head. An old man who has narcolepsy. And a young, acne-riddled porter, if you will, who uh, is snarky as shit. I love Stan. And they are great. <laughs> what you fell over for? 
And for the entire sequence, I'll tell you what happens in the sequence because I couldn't understand a damn thing any character said except Harry because Harry speaks slow. Stan has a very deep accent. It is thick. With four C's, it is a thick accent. So the, it gets Harry on the bus by going, wizard bus. And so Harry gets on the bus. And there's some good little comedy bits that aren't poorly written, unlike all the other movies. And so he rides on the bus. The shrunken head is telling the old man driver what's happening. Uh, and the old man driver drives at about 17 million miles an hour through the streets. They go, where do you want to go? And Harry goes... Where, where does he go? Leaky, Leaky Cauldron. Cauldron. That's in London. And they go, hey, Leaky Cauldron, in London. And then a fucking zoom off out of the countryside and into London. It's a trip that I would imagine would take about a half hour. It takes them about six minutes. I mean, they are traveling at like wizarding speeds. It's I true. don't even know what to call that speed. <laughs> During which time, it is explained to Harry that Sirius Black, a very serious guy, has escaped from Azkaban. He's the only wizard to have ever escaped from Azkaban. Did you make that pun on purpose? Yes. Okay. So he's escaped from Azkaban and he's a murderer. And in, you know, in the wizarding world, all the pictures uh, are animated. So they're like gifts, if you will. And so it's just a picture of Sirius Black going fucking crazy, holding his little thing for the mugshot, right? And he's just yelling and screaming all over the place. I couldn't understand any of the fucking wizards. I don't know if there was anything funny that happened or anything weird that happened, but they all fucking didn't say words in English and not fast enough, or too fast, rather. And it was very difficult. So, fast forward, we get to the Leaky Cauldron. After this insane bus ride with visual effects that can only happen if you have 30 million more dollars than you did last time. So, you get to the leaky cauldron. A strange man with a hump goes, Harry Potter! And then he pulls him off the bus and they drag the chest in and he goes in and he rolls up to the some guy who's in the Ministry of Magic. It's Cornelius Fudge. Sure, that guy. The, the Minister of Magic, not even just... Sure, yeah, that guy. He's there at the Leaky Cauldron. Waiting for Harry. Sure, yeah. Uh, and so Harry goes up there and he's mortified because he's like, well, I broke the wizarding law, so I hope I don't die. And a guy goes, oh, well, we found your aunt or your uncle's sister and we deflated her and changed her memory. So, you know, it's all good. And, he, and Harry's like, I like for sure broke the law, though. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, that's not really the problem. The problem is you fucking ran away, you maniac. Now you gotta go to school. <laughs> Which is just, what a fucking series of events and a roller coaster of, do I get murdered now or just am I fine? I don't know. It was crazy. Didn't know what to make of it. So then he gives a very ominous tone to his voice and goes, Harry... I wouldn't wander around here. Wink. He doesn't wink, but... I mean, what are you gonna fucking do? You told the most powerful, weird, orphan wizard in the world that he shouldn't wander around here. Of course he's gonna fucking wander around here. So then nothing happens, and they go to the... They go see the Weasleys. Where did they see the Weasleys? Everyone was staying at the Leaky Cauldron. It's not really explained in the movie very well, but the Weasleys and Hermione are all staying at the Leaky Cauldron as well. Um, 
I'm weird. Not really. Sh- I can't remember. It's been a long time since I read the third book. I'm not really sure why, but they are all staying together before the start of term at the Leaky Cauldron. Right. And that's where Harry is also staying. They give Harry a room and all this stuff. And they mainly want to just keep an eye on Harry to make sure that he doesn't get murdered by Sirius Black. Right. I'll let now. Everyone knows this, but no one tells Harry this. Sirius Black wants to kill Harry. Mm-hmm. Kind of. They just keep telling him there's a killer on the loose, and they don't really tell him that the killer is after him. Now, see, a question popped up in chat. They thought it was a bar, not just an inn. I also thought the Leaky Cauldron was just sort of a bar with a restaurant attached and not a whole-ass inn. There and so I inn. was... Very confused when we just cut to, like, everyone we know is here all at once, and we've got, like, rooms? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It was never explained. The it was very confusing. The Leaky Cauldron is an inn. It's a hotel. It's Yeah, it's more like a hotel than anything. So. Um. He finds the Weasleys, and the Weasleys just start taking care of him. They start being nice to him. The Weasleys and, are like, the best. Like, Molly comes great. up, she's like, you got your books, you got your clothes, like, you're ready for the new term. And she, like, checks in on him like a good mother should. And then Mr. Weasley takes him aside, walks him all around the whole inn because people keep showing up, and basically tells him, Yeah, man, listen, Sirius Black, he escaped. He's a real bad character. He killed your parents. He didn't kill his parents. He betrayed your parents. Yeah. Turned him into Voldemort. And Harry was like, well, what? that's fucked. That's, that's pretty fucked. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of what happens there. Uh, in the books, to answer further in chat the questions about the Leaky Cauldron, it's more established that the Leaky Cauldron is like a pl- like an inn, like a place for wizards to stay, um, especially like out of town wizards and things like that. It's listen, a little bit more established. They don't just yada yada. Thirty million dollars will give you a lot of nice graphics, but it won't tell you that the Leaky Cauldron is not just a restaurant. <laughs> That's what it won't do. It won't do that. There are limitations here to $30 million. So, uh, my next note was that with an increase of budget, everything looks tremendous. It's so pretty. It, honestly, they upgraded so much shit. It, I, I I believe part of it is technology advancing through time. That is also true. We are... Now we're in a much more digital age. Yes. And it's easier to make a movie like that. It's a little cheaper to make a movie like that. So your budget of $130 million goes a lot further, which is terrific. Also, all the actors are a little older. Also, they got a writer who doesn't suck ass. Can you relax? If you're listening to the podcast and you're new here, our dog is noisy AF. and He's going buck wild right now. He had a bone in his kennel that he wanted, and now he's putting it on the windowsill. Um, that's not relevant. <laughs> what is relevant, though, is that... How stinking pretty the movie is. This is my favorite is movie. Very pretty. Of the series. Like, I love this movie. I love this movie for a lot of reasons. I love it for the cute Ron and Hermione moments, because I'm... They start here, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm just a big fan. And then I love... Would you say you <gasps> ship it? I ship it so hard. Oh my god. And anyone that ships a different relationship is just wrong, and you can fight me over it. Listen, the whole point of a shipping a relationship is that you're shipping something that is not written into canon. This is written into canon. Yeah, I know. So you can't ship it. It exists. No, you can ship stuff that's written into canon. That's so lame. But anyways. You're lame. Love it for those moments. I do, Your choices are lame. I do like the new style and the way the castle grounds look because it's more like what I pictured in my head while I was reading. I think there's just some really 
could upgrades. Um, there was also some recasts, which were some were optional, others were not. <laughs> Tragically, we lost Dumbledore, and we had to replace Dumbledore with a much more intense version of Dumbledore. Which I think benefited the movie as a whole. It like, definitely benefits forward. the next movie when he starts yelling. But I think yeah, there's just there was a lot that changed in between two and three, like drastically, like the set, everything changed, and. I had problems with it when I watched it the first time, but I think the more I watched it and the more the series went on, I kind of just did fall in love with it and accepted that the first two movies were what they were with what they had at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. yes, beautiful movie. Great movie. Great soundtrack. Everything's great. I didn't write why the next thing happens because it was a variety of lines and it just made me upset. But I did write a note and it said, why is Hermione like this? Every time she says words, I just hate her more. It was... What is her first series of lines in the movie? Well, I mean... Because she just, she just starts getting on your nerves as quickly as possible. I mean, she argues with Ron about her cat, but we've already moved on past the leaky cauldron because I think we're talking about the school now. She, it's when she... The next time we see her is when she pops up in... I don't know, the... Note after this says Harry's got an angsty dog. Harry's got an angsty dog. The Grim. Oh, so it was divination class when she pops up. Oh, in divination yes, class. in divinate. We okay, so we go to divination class, uh, which is a new class that we're taking, and she's sitting there, front row, with Ron and Harry. You know the trio, golden trio, and she is straight talking shit about divination. In front of the professor for divination, Trelawney, who is weird but lovely. She's sweet, but she is... So Hermione's just sitting there like, fucking fake magic. What a load of rubbish, I think is her first Just bitching and bitching and being annoying, and everyone else is kind of like, why are you like this? And I was sitting there going, God, I fucking hate you. Why are you like this? you're okay you're operating in a world of magic and you are so desperately clinging onto the idea that only wizard science is the truth fuck off potions ain't shit you can read the future you can predict a future where you don't need potions figure it the fuck out you fucking angsty teenage maniac god damn it i fucking hate her Ugh. <laughs> Thanks, Green Gorilla. No, I think um, what's not established. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the book nerd for a little bit on this one because this is, I think, one of the more ones where we do lose a lot of book context as we go forward in these books because the books get longer and the movies only have so much time. We're gonna lose more details from the book, and it is established by just about everyone that Trelawney is an act absolute like crackpot like sh no one believes she can actually predict the future like at one point um okay well dumbledore has to because he hired her yes but i will there's reasons for that that we will get into later she does have moments where she does see the future like when she was talking to harry and like that trance mm. and that's one of the reasons dumbledore hired her is because she did make a prediction that's very important to the entire series um but like even there's a scene in the book that we don't get to see in the movies where they go from divination to transfiguration with McGonagall. 
and she's just like talking to them like before the class starts and she says something along the lines of oh you guys took your first divination class she's like tell me how many of you did Trelawney predict were going to die this year because <laughs> it's just like she only predicts that students are going to die in gruesome ways and it's also she requires them to like keep a journal a dream journal throughout the school year and like seems like an easy a keep track of their dreams but like ron and harry sit there and bullshit most of theirs like the week before it's due and they keep writing things because that's what she wants to hear is like these gruesome things so they keep writing i had a dream that i died by falling off one of the moving stairs and like just writing all these holy like holy bullshit things and it's just very again it's a moment that's not well established in the movie um they but, tried to do a lot with her visual look, but it just isn't enough. And I think that's partially due to we are in 2021 as of recording. So we've seen some really cracked out characters yes. over the course of the last two decades of film. Mm-hmm. So seeing Trelawney in her getup, which is a bit wild. Compared to the other It's not anything more crazy than you would see out of the tamer characters in Mad Max, okay? Like, she doesn't look crazy, given the context of what we've seen. Now, if you haven't been to a movie ever, or seen someone do cocaine on the streets, yeah, she Trelawney does. looks fucking wild! She, has she looks insane! Of course you wouldn't trust her to know anything or see, say anything that makes sense. But if you have context to the rest of creativity in film for two decades post that movie, it's just kind of normal. I just think we miss a lot of really funny Trelawney moments in the movies that we just get in the books. So I'll, I'll take that defense. That's tragic. Yeah, it. there's some just, I like Trelawney. She's funny. And there's. I think there, we miss a lot of buildup because I don't think Hermione flips her lid as quickly as she does in this one i think like they take a few classes she's like literally this is the biggest waste of my time that has ever existed (laughs) ironic you say that given the context of the movie like Um, yes um like me in seventh grade math so i wrote i would fight hermione full fist fight i don't give a fuck uh and i don't remember why but i'm sure it was some smart ass comment i just think james would fight hermione i in a fist fight no matter what in a sort of Funny way, this is the first movie where Hermione does some useful shit. Mm-hmm. And leading up to that, she is nothing but the worst. She's annoying to listen to. She's not funny. She's arrogant. She's a know-it-all. I don't know why anyone is friends with her at all. Including Ron and Harry, who are bullied by her. And then she starts doing useful shit. And becomes the character you want her to be. She puts knowledge to use in the correct way. I think it's a, to be fair, it's a maturity thing with her. I think and she, she also punches Malfoy in the fucking mouth. I think it's a character arc that she is going through. Because they she does start off as an insufferable know-it-all in the first two movies. And I think she's growing to learn. There's a time and place for her to be that person. And then there's a time and place for her to not be. And I think she's learning. But she has, she has to work on it. All right. So. Then other things happen. I don't remember what. But then Malfoy 
drops a very heavy bag on a table, and I wrote, does Malfoy have all of his dad's gold in that bag? This was on their way to uh, Magical Creatures. He, he hands Crab the bag, and Crab, like, falters because it's, like, so heavy. And I was like, what is... I think I even said it. I was like, what does Malfoy have in that bag? It's... I... I... It's not really, like, a moment in this movie, but it's a, a generality of the characters. I cannot believe that they made a character in this series more insufferable than Hermione. But they went and did it! They took a little tiny Hitler and made him more insufferable than Hermione! It was crazy! I never thought that would happen! But every time Malfoy's on screen, he is capital He's the worst. He's supposed to be the worst because he's the villain. One of them. But Jesus! Why is he the way that he is? Fun facts. Since huh? we're ta talking about shipping and things, um, there is a widely popular ship. I just saw a tweet about it today, in fact. I don't want to think about what you're about to say. There's a widely I don't popular think about ship it. where Hermione and Draco are a thing. In, in fact, my ex-best friend, that was her number one ship from the series. Oh, no! Yeah. No! God, that's just... So you're two insufferable characters together, James. I mean... People are wrong. People are very people wrong. People like to sort people into categories, and you put the two annoying assholes in the same group because you just want to keep them together and as far away from you as possible. I understand it, but Jesus Christ, they just kill each other. What do you mean, ship? They're gonna die. They'll kill each other to death. Malfoy will drop all of his father's money on her to crush her to death, and she'll... Foil that by having a fake Hermione that gets crushed by the gold and then she'll just death curse him. And that is that. I'm glad I could join, I could uh, share that with you. All the students, except for Harry, are little bitches about the hippogriff. <laughs> now, let's be clear. Hagrid is an imposing figure. And he was introduced earlier in the movie as the new professor... And he was going to teach you shit about magical creatures, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of his area of expertise. So, yeah, it all makes sense. So now they got to go to a magical creatures class out near the edge of the woods. A lot of these, um, too, for reference, doesn't get explained in the movie, but when you get to third year, you do take on, like, a heavier ca uh, class load with, like, more different classes. So you get, like divination, care of magical creatures, like those sorts of things added onto your workload. It's tremendous. So, we go out to hang out with Hagrid for a minute. And you know all, you all know I love Hagrid. Hagrid's great. Hagrid probably shouldn't be a professor. <laughs> it just that's just my personal opinion. I think he's a little too lackadaisical about how he is an enormous imposing man and all these students are children and much smaller than he. So when dealing with magical creatures of a particularly dangerous variety, uh, Hagrid, probably going to have a bit of an easier time, I would imagine. He's much stronger, better at wrangling. These are children. Let's be clear. They are children. Thirteen. Right. Children. 
baby teenagers. I think he's just still experienced. I think he'll get that. Sure, maybe he will. I don't fucking know. He's great. I love him. Probably shouldn't start the day with a hippogriff. Yeah, first class of the first year. First class, we start with a fucking half horse, half eagle, half griffin. This creature is gorgeous. There's part of your $30 million addition to the budget. He's so pretty. I love he Buckbeak. He is great. His name is Buckbeak. Now, he introduces the hippogriff and goes through these rituals type thing you have to do so that the hippogriff doesn't just fucking kill you immediately. And, you know, when he says that, I go, oh, Jesus Christ, why would you fucking lead with this on day one? That's terrible, right? So... He go. He tells them all how to interact with it, and then he goes, "All right, who wants to go first? And every single person takes three steps back, except Harry, who's so stunned by the danger that's been presented to him that he's just in front. And Hagrid turns around and goes, "Ah, Harry, great!" And everyone else, and then he looks around like, "You motherfuckers!" Did you see Neville duck behind the rock? I did see Neville <laughs> duck behind the rock. He didn't even take a step he back. Just he just like... vanished. He just <laughs> ducked down. He was having a bad day to begin with. He got eaten by his book. He did. His book was mean. So, so yeah, that, that's the book. So, Harry goes and does the ritual, and the hippogriff does not instantly kill him. In fact, it kind of likes him a lot. And so then he, like, pets the hippogriff, and he's having a nice time. And then Hagrid's like, great, you're going to go for a ride. And Harry goes, what? And then Hagrid goes, bye! And he sticks him on the hippogriff, and the hippogriff just yeets off into the sunset. Fucking wild. Harry's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then he's gone. He's just over the lake. Like, it's just gone. And it's a fine time. There's the only danger is that he falls off and dies. But he doesn't do that because he's smart enough to hang on for all the most dangerous parts. So then he flies around. Really cool cinematic scene. Hagrid's applauding because he's like, oh, it's great. He did it. It's wonderful. All the other students are applauding because they're all like, oh, it's great. He did it. He didn't fucking die. And Buckbeak and Harry come back, and Harry gets off Buckbeak, and Bitch Queen Supreme, Baby Hitler, gets up and is like, oh, fucking shut off, Harry. And he's like, oh, he's a miserable, stupid fucking animal. And he goes up and he doesn't do anything that he's supposed to with the hippogriff. He just walks right up to that motherfucker and is like goes to try and like maybe touch its face. I don't fucking know. But the hippogriff is like, well, I'm having none of you, you disrespectful little motherfucker. And he hits him with his claws. Not just No, no. He no, 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 no. Don't, don't go not hard. This dude rears back with his eagle talons on his horse legs, which his horse legs are his back legs, his eagle talons are his front legs, he rears back, and he claws the shit out of Malfoy. Malfoy, having the good sense to maybe not die this day, throws his arm up in defense, and the hippogriff just tears through that shit. Just rips up his arm real good. Now, he did just claw him. That's all that happened. Then Buckbeak backs up and is like, you're a fucking asshole. And Hagrid... Gets up in the way and is like, Buckbeak, what the fuck? Meanwhile, fucking, what's his fucking name? Malfoy? Yeah, Malfoy. He's laying on the ground. I don't, I fucking hate him he so goes, much I don't uh, remember his name. I'm goes, dying. I've, I've, been, I've been killed. I've been murdered. You great bloody pigeon. So angsty. He's got like paper cuts on his arm. They're worse than paper cuts, but he's just got, he's just got a little blood. A little stingy. A little bitch. I don't even think it's broken. 
It's probably not. But the next time we see him, he's in a sling and a cast, and he's parading on and on about how... A few he, more minutes, I would have lost my arm. He would have chopped it off, which is not the, the first of a few times we talk about removing limbs in this movie. So, that all goes down, and that is going to lead to a lot of bullshit later on with uh, the Ministry of Magic and Malfoy and his dad, Father Hitler. Uh, and it was tr- truly, truly frustrating. Oh, and I forgot to mention that in the moment where Buckbeak and Harry yeet off into the sunset, there's a, a moment, just a moment, of panic. And it's one of America's happy moments of little cuteness between Ron and Hermione, <laughs> where Hermione... It, like freaks out about Harry's safety and reaches down and like grabs onto Ron's wrist and he full blushes and we get to witness what is effectively Ron's first boner pop. <laughs> we don't see it, right? We don't see it, but we know. We know. We're adults now. They're we know. so cute. They're, well, you know, they didn't want that to happen, but they, like, it did. Grabbed each other and then they were nope, like. Nope, he he did not grab onto her. No, she was just like. She just straight grabbed his wrist and he went, huh? And then he turned full red, all the colors of red, and like stepped to the side for a bit and took like a very deep breath, which was hysterical because I've never known any young dude, thirteen, etc., to have an interaction with a girl or a romantic partner that they would be considering in that fashion and go, I need to take a breath to compose myself. Mostly, they freak out, call someone names, or throw a fist at someone. It's never that relaxed. No one ever goes, <gasps> and it's fine. That never happens in real life. I mean, there was a lot else going on. I don't think he could well, sure. react. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was definitely an extra situation, but, I mean, come on. No one just takes a deep breath and is fine. That's crazy talk. They were so cute. They were both so embarrassed. It was cute. A lot of embarrassed. They were so. so cute. I love them so much. They were my first ever ship, guys. Hey, your nerd's showing. I freaking love them. We cut from here to another... Oh, Hermione has another moment where I've pissed off where uh, after Buckbeak slams down on uh, Malfoy... Hagrid's dealing with Buckbeak, and then Hermione. I mean, ever, Hagrid, ever the Gryffindor, I guess. Hagrid was just going like, "It's just a scratch. You're fine. It's just a scratch." I mean, Hagrid's trying to calm a kid who's panicking down. Hagrid's actually doing a good thing. He's trying to calm the kid down. Now, when you're bleeding, you have to calm down because if your heart rate goes too much while you're bleeding, you pump more blood out of your body. That's bad. Is that You're like not a thing? Supposed... Yes, that's a thing. When heart rate go fast, blood go pump. No, but I mean, like, is like you have to stay calm if you're hurt? I don't know. Let's Google it. We have power of the internet right now. When you are bleeding... <laughs> Sorry, the first... Do you need to calm down? <laughs> the first Google search was when you are bleeding from your anus. Uh, nothing is really helpful. That's not helpful. Uh, 
Okay, so it's not exactly like a uh, like a primary rule of first aid to like take a deep breath and calm down. I was like, I've been first aid training. But I'm not like. It is a standard, I feel, logical step in the correct direction to go. Okay, someone's bleeding. Mm-hmm. We need to calm the situation down so things can be managed in a more timely and efficient manner. Right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yes. Right. Yelling and shouting and running about's not gonna help Malfoy bleed less. Maybe we should just let Malfoy. We should have probably just let Malfoy bleed out. If I'm honest, if I'm honest, they were gonna. We find out later they're gonna kill Buckbeak anyways, so we should have probably just let Malfoy bleed out from his arm. Everybody just leave him alone. He wasn't gonna bleed out <laughs> from that injury, but no, Lord no. So Hermione, well, Hagrid's trying to calm down Buckbeak, takes like nine steps forward and is like. Hagrid, we have to get him to the hospital! And is, like, pissed. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. I think it's more just like a... Like I said, ever the Gryffindor. Yeah, I think she's more just like... A Ravenclaw would have let that motherfucker bleed. Hagrid's panicking. She can see that, and she's, like, trying to give him, like, the next step. Because he is not... He's also panicking. He is not responding as an effect. Like, when Neville fell... In the first movie, Madame Hooch was like, oh, dang, this broken wrist. We're going to take him to the hospital. Hagrid was like, it's a scratch, it's fine, you're fine, blah, blah, blah. And she just like... <laughs> the reminding comes at him hard. And so he's like, class dismissed! Then he picks Malfoy up and takes him off to the hospital all the while he's bitching the whole time. It's great. Tremendous. We cut forward to more classes. And uh, I be- is this the class that we cut to with Snape? Where he is taken over for the first no, class for the... No, you have the Boggart class next with Lupin. Ah, Lupin. Yes, yes, yes. You haven't even talked about Lupin yet, or the no. Dementors, or anything. I did skip the Dementors on the train early, but it was just so good. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. It was a good sequence in the movie, is on the train ride to Hogwarts. And also, we've covered so many train rides to Hogwarts. But every time we're on the train to Hogwarts, some shit goes down. And in this case... Fucking Dementors showed up looking for Sirius Black. Anyways, that happened like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> so, at this point in the movie, we find out Lupin defends against the Dark Arts teacher. Or we have found that out. We go to a class now with him. Um, and this begins the trend of Hermione appearing in class and no one knowing where the fuck she showed up from. Harry and Ron are just always confused. They, they make a snide comment about it and then move on. They don't say nothing else. And uh, we find out why later. We'll spoil that later. And by later, I mean in episode two of this movie, which means the next podcast episode you listen to. Mm -hmm. Or for this stream, five minutes after we stop recording for this podcast. Pretty much, pretty much. So we go to the the class with Lupin, and he he teaches us a very, well, what's, what's the spell? Ridiculous. Ridiculum. Less. Ridiculous? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's literally the word. Spelled differently, but the word. All right. So he teaches us a spell. And it's to be used when you see uh, a monster or some such evil that is frightening to you. Uh, You cast the spell and it turns whatever you are looking at into something funny. So. What? What? You've just gasped. You can't just gasp in the an audio podcast. The chat comment 
I, uh... Had you never thought of that? No. What? It's been... That's why I knew! It's, it's been... Oh, my oh that was two... Th- I read that book. That was, I was in... I would have been... You would have been a baby. I would have been eight. Just a wee lass. So that's almost 20 years of my life. It's another spoiler. We'll hit it in the next episode. But, yeah. 20 years of my life, and I never put... The most basic of puzzle pieces together. Watching your brain learn is great. I, lo- <laughs> I love it, honestly. Sometimes I'm brilliant, guys, and other times... You can put together some of the most complicated me... puzzles, but sometimes you're dumb. <laughs> sometimes it takes me years to figure out that every kiss begins with K is literally referring to the word kiss. I, uh, uh, so many years. I was at least uh, in high school. That's upsetting. That's just upsetting. It was. It's kind of like that. Sometimes those just go... Whoop. So, we're in the Davinsky Dark Arts class, and, uh, fucking Lupin's got this cabinet, and inside it is a boggart, which, what does a boggart do? It just turns into your worst fear. Right, so it turns into your worst fear, and so this is an ideal monster to practice the ridiculous spell on, because it turns into your worst fear, so it's ideal to practice, because you need to turn your worst fear into something funny. So... They pull Neville, Longbottom, you know, oh, always first. Our, our adorable, poor, sad sack of shit. He's, he has to go first. Uh, and so he goes up to the front and Lupin goes, what's your greatest fear? And he goes, Professor Snape. And Lupin goes, that tracks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> well, what, what's something that you like a lot and he goes my grandma oh no he goes you live with your grandmother and he goes, and he goes okay here's what you're gonna do when the bogger comes out it's gonna look like snape what you're gonna do is you're gonna imagine professor snape in your grandmother's clothes when you cast the spell and voila right so he pops the lock on the cabinet the bogger comes out and the bogger played by alan rickman Popping out, looking like Professor Snape. The thought of Alan Rickman doing this scene just brings a certain joy to me. (laughs) Little Neville Longbottom, hyperventilating, goes, Ridiculous! And the boggart hovers in the air for a second. Swirly goo of CGI effects. And then it's Alan Rickman wearing the Queen of England garb. Yeah. And that is just hysterical no matter how you slice it it was great good bit of little pg comedy we love that right and everyone's like hooray it worked yeah we did it and then they go all right make a line and then these students just don't know how to make a fucking line there's like shove it's like a small mosh pit for like a second middle for no reason i will say this is the most accurate representation of middle schoolers i've ever seen because i think during i used to work at a middle school And the amount of times that I was just like, fucking middle schoolers, man. Like, (laughs) I was, uh, that is literally something that's like, if you're like, make a line, which is something they've done literally their entire lives in school, they are suddenly incapable of making a straight line. It's like theater kids trying to make a circle. We're also incapable. It's impossible. Everyone stand in a circle. Can't do it. Nope. Impossible. So, we then go on to, uh, who goes next? Uh, it's Ron. Ron, Ron, goes, Ron next. goes next, and a couple other students go, and it's like just some big fears, like a big snake and a big that turns into a big clown. And then Harry goes up, 
and the clown doesn't change. It just stays the clown for a few seconds, and then it full changes directly into a Dementor, and it starts sucking the fucking soul out of Harry Potter right there in the middle of the class. And Lupin jumps in because, you know, that shit's not supposed to happen. Good teacher moment. Lupin's hits, my favorite Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Hits a quick spell, banishes the dementor Bogger combo back into the cabinet, locks the cabinet, and the day is saved, and boom, class dismissed. You know what? I'm, you know, I'm going to take a second here real quick. If When I was in college, not when I was in high school, that doesn't count. When I was in college, if classes got dismissed as early and as frequently as classes get dismissed in Hogwarts, I never would have gone to fucking class to begin with. Because it would have been like, oh, who broke their fucking ankle today? Oh, Jimmy did? Oh, well. That only took 15 minutes today. Shit. Why bother even showing up? Two out of the three classes that we've seen them attend have ended early. I mean, they always just cancel. I mean, Transfiguration probably never ends early, but I feel like... McGonagall's pretty solid at her job, so... Fair. So, yeah, that all goes down, and then, uh... He does turn it into a full moon, and then ridiculouses the moon into a balloon, and it pops. Yes, you are correct, Green Gorilla. James just yada yada I, I yada yada through the magic, because it's magic, and magic is just a yada yada. You are correct, chat. Chat called me on my details, and they were right. You did just say made a spell and banished it to right. the cabinet. I mean, there was, yeah. It is a very important thing that it turns into a full moon for Lupin. It's a clue in the very beginning. I'm trying to remember at what point the class happens where Snape is in as Defense Against the Dark Arts professor temporarily. Um, pretty soon. When, when, that. Was, that, was that, like, coming up soon? Uh, thereabouts. I think we have, uh, Hermione and Divination first, if I'm not I didn't make any fucking notes about that. About her losing her shit? I, yeah, I didn't make any fucking notes about her getting pissed, the magic crystal, like, she fucking, like a toddler, gets pissed off in Divination again, and bats the fucking crystal ball off the table, and I mean, it rolls after her Trelawney said some mean things to her so trelawney did full make fun of hermione like in a way that no teacher should ever say to a student so it's almost fully justified how hermione reacts but at this point that reaction comes standard to just existence of other people around hermione so i was a lot less concerned about whether or not trelawney said anything mean or rude and I was just like, fucking, there goes Hermione again, losing her goddamn shit. I mean, middle school girls, am I right? No, admittedly. This time, totally justified. In my opinion. I think Trelawney said some mean shit. I would have done worse than what Hermione did. I probably would have hit the teacher. But I was angsty. So, she storms off. The ball rolls away. Harry goes, grabs the ball, and is like, we should take it back. And Ron goes, No. Ron's like, fuck that, I'm not going back. Ron's like, I'm not walking back 15 stairs and 30 feet back into the room. And Harry's like, okay? And he just goes back. Like, Harry's a good kid. That needed to happen so Harry could be alone in the room with the divination teacher. That That's what needed to happen. 
So he goes back and he puts the crystal ball back on the table, and deep in the center of the ball, it... <coughs> Sorry, I died. James died briefly. Is the, the deep in the center of the ball is the face of one serial murderer, Sirius Black. And he's going, Harry Potter. And I Harry... James's exact comment in regards to that was, do not ASMR Don't me. Don't ASMR me, Sirius. And so... Harry looks at that and goes, huh? And then Trelawney appears out of the mists, out of nowhere, from off screen, and grabs Harry's shoulder with a vice-like grip with veins popping out of her arm that you can't see because she's wearing a robe, and starts speaking aggressively this prophecy. Someone's gonna die tonight! I don't remember the words, but it was very intense, and she was like, someone will die! <laughs> and... Master and Ma- uh, master uh, and servant, servant will, will be, be reunited, reunited once more. Does this prophecy come true again? This is the rest of the plot of the movie. But who's the master and servant that become reunited? Pettigrew and. You know but we don't who. we don't see him with Voldemort. Nope. Well, guess where he runs to? That motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate. Wormtail, Peter Pettigrew can go fuck himself. Wow, that's aggressive. He is the most annoying character because he's literally just so much of a fucking pussy the entire time he exists. (laughs) From day one, 12 years ago, 12 years ago from this movie, when he was like, uh, Voldemort cornered me and I'm going to turn in my best friend's no, he's like, what would you have done? No fucking Peter. No fucking Peter. You came up with this elaborate fucking plot of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to corner Sirius and I'm going to make a big explosion and cut off one of my fingers so that it looks like I died. I'm going to turn into a rat and scurry away and then Sirius is going to get blamed and now Voldemort knows where uh james and lily are and sirius is going to be in jail so he can't help them and i come up with this big elaborate plot all by myself but no it's poor me voldemort tricked me (laughs) fuck you i'm done this part of the city wave cinema podcast that is normally brought to you by me has been brought to you by america she hates that guy fuck him while we're on the subject fuck all of them for funsies right oh also throughout this whole thing everyone gets to go to uh uh hogsmeade the village down the road but harry never got his permission slip signed so he has to stay at the castle and he's sad and that's sad is that where your notes end for this part we've blown past the halfway point in my notes oh sorry so we're gonna have to make some shit up i mean we can just talk more about wormtail it's fine is there anything else you want to wrap this part up with? I don't know where we left off in the actual movie. I got angry about Wormtail. I started writing generic notes like Lupin's a decent guy and the art is very upset. All right, then. I think like my rant about Wormtail is a good place to end this one. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck Peter Pettigrew. This has been episode five of the City Wave Cinema Podcast. Tune in next week for the rest of this movie. Part two of Prisoner of Azkaban. It gets real confusing when they're all two parts, but this is the fifth episode. Just just wait until we get to the t- the Deathly Hollows, which is a two-part movie. 
and this is gonna be Deathly Hallows Part One, Episode Two, Deathly Hall. It's, it's, it's gonna fun. get it's gonna get real shitty. <laughs> it's gonna get real muddy real fast. Don't worry though, you'll enjoy it anyway. <laughs> Bye.